Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Happy to be rolling right on through the off-season ranks. We're past the holiday, counting down days until training camp. And uh, we've got offensive linemen up today to join us to break down offensive linemen. The best offensive lineman analyst in in the media, Jeff Schwartz. What's up? How do you like that intro? Oh, that's uh, fantastic. I, I don't it, know if I could get a better one. I appreciate always being the best. And uh, offensive line, obviously, is the best position in all of sports. And the best part about all of this, Training camp, you're right. It's like ten days away for the Broncos. All right, so that's right. Yeah, so you're right. It's, it's very, it's very, very close. Uh, you are currently still at Action Network and still at SB Nation, right? I probably should have asked you that beforehand, but um... I, I'm at SB Nation for CERN. I do uh, Pac-12 radio um, on SiriusXM every day, and I believe my website is launching. Might be launching Ooh. today. This might be the breaking part of it. Uh, SchwartzNFL.com. Uh, Action Network, probably not so much in the future. Um, yeah, but everything you can find out what I'm doing is at, is at, is at SchwartzNFL.com. Oh, that's cool. I like that. That's a good idea. I mean, it is. Do you find it, do you find it, um, is it tough to like deal with the fact that, I mean, what percent, like what percent of media members, and you can lump me in with this because I, I mean, I, I don't think there are very many people who actually understand how to analyze offensive line play, but like what percentage of NFL media members really understand a significant portion of the nuances that come with offensive line play? Well, not many. I mean, there's, there's a couple. Uh, Brandon Thorne is pretty good. Uh, I think he's at Veteran Scout on, on Twitter. My buddy Duke Mannyweather, um, who trains a lot of offensive linemen. We're doing O-line masterminds this weekend. Did it last year. 30 NFL offensive linemen will be top five. There'll be like five of the top 30 college offensive linemen will be there this year mm. as well. Um, we break down film. We do drills. Same as the, the Vaughn Miller Summit for Defensive Line, just for whatever reason, does not get as much attention. Maybe it's not Von Miller, but we will have my brother will be there. Lane Johnson will be there. Tomorrow Armstead will be there. So a lot of, I think Zach Martin might be there this year. I mean, a lot of outstanding offensive linemen. Quinn Nelson, I think, may or may not be there. So there's, there's a lot of all pro type linemen at this event. So uh, those two guys do well. It's, just, it's hard because you have to, you have to really devote your time to just offensive line. Like yeah. Brandon, for example, really just studies offensive defense alignment. It's hard to be, an overall studier of football and then just be just, and then also be offensive line expert. I can't because I've played the position and I know what's going on, but for someone who hasn't really played the position, it's hard to be an offensive line guy and also know and watch everything about the game. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, even when, and, and like, I think I can do a, uh, a decent job, you know, if I'm, like if I'm watching, if I'm going back and watching game and watching film, I can be like, oh, okay, this guy did a really good job, you know, doing this, blocking this guy, you know, operating the scheme of things. But even like, I'll see that like, oh, this, you know, this, uh, this offensive lineman got, you know, destroyed by this defensive lineman. And then I'll get a, you know, tweets from people who, you know, you'll be like, no, actually he tripped on his foot. Yeah. I mean, I just think there's so, <laughs> there's so many nuances that go with the position that it is, um, it can be in fact difficult to analyze, but we're going to try anyway. And, uh, we have a top 10 list of offensive line units on CBS Sports. Sports.com. You have said that uh, the move, and I, I think this is the right move, and maybe I should have told my bosses this beforehand, but the move is to actually do it in tiers instead of a one through ten list. Um, so let's work, we're going to work backwards here uh, when going through that. And 
we have, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's really like when you look at the teams, there's a tier one and a tier two, and then there's a bunch of fringe teams um, that could be really be in that like eight, nine, ten range that we're going to talk about. Um, uh, the first one that I want to mention, because I, I, I'm curious what you think about it. You, you threw them out there when we were talking about this on DM, but the Carolina Panthers probably don't make your top ten list, but the fact that a team that's been so bad on the offensive line for so long, you know, I mean, Look, they, you know, they, they had the, you know, they're losing Ryan Khalil. They had to start Matt yeah. Khalil for a while. Uh, now suddenly could be on an honorable mention. I think it's a very fascinating thing when you talk about protecting Cam Newton. Well, I think there's a couple teams, the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Rams, that are in the kind of, they're not really, they're not in the second tier, but they easily with like young players and players off of injury and within eight games this year can kind of be in that second tier of offensive line. You mentioned the Panthers. Look, they, they needed a left tackle. They have Taylor Moan there, but they drafted Greg Little. Really high athletic upside offensive lineman. Put him right at, at left tackle. He's not there and now with the ones. And Taylor Moan goes to guard, which might be his better position. You lost Ryan Coyle, but you signed Matt Paredes. Trey Turner is a very good right guard. And then Darrell Williams, who was an all-pro a couple of years ago, injured uh, back now at right tackle. That is a good offensive line, at least by talent. So we have to see kind of how the Darrell Williams off an injury – you know, Greg Little is a rookie. The Taylor Moon moved to guard. So they have potential to be a really good offensive line, uh, maybe the better offensive line they've had in a long time. But, again, it's, it's a lot of potential, and that's why you really – they're hard to put into, like, a tier right now. They're more like in my potentially could-be-good tier. Like a surprising – like this team could make a leap into the a, a team that could be our top ten. You mentioned the Falcons as well. Um, how hard is it for a team – like Atlanta, and they went out and they used two first-round picks on offensive linemen, Chris Lindstrom out of uh, Boston yeah. College at right guard and then Caleb McGarry ostensibly to be their right tackle out of UCLA. I mean, how hard is it to plug two rookies on that right side and expect them to be effective from day one, even when you have so many other veteran pieces around them? Like, I, you know, we know they're not going to be, you know, not lifting up this offensive line. you got Jake Matthews, a former yeah. first-rounder, Alex Mack uh, there as well, and then James Carpenter, I, I would assume, at, at left guard. But how, yeah. t- how tough is that for those two young guys, you think? Well, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, Lindstrom, at least, will play guard. He gets the benefit of playing next to Alex Mack, which would be really helpful for him. But then, obviously – Caleb McGarry out of Washington, who really shot the draft boards fast. I mean, he was a guy that was, you know, maybe everyone thought kind of third, fourth round, and all of a sudden, boom, went day day one um, uh, to the Falcons. So it's going to be a learning process for, for for the right side. You team up together, you hope they can kind of learn on the fly. Like I said, with Alex Mack there in the center, that, that they will, you know, that will help Lindstrom, but, you know, McGarry will have to kind of find his own way. Again, this is a, a unit that, with Matthews and Carpenter and Mack and Lindstrom and McGarry, if they play up to their ability, they're going to be a good offensive line. So I put them kind of in like the tentative, you know, how will the rookies play type of offensive line because they're very talented. It's, 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 you've got to kind of put it all together. I don't, I don't have a great answer for how long it takes um, for the offensive line uh, to get going. But the run game, all the zone, you know, keeping kind of simple-ish concepts. Mm. Zone is not simple, but, you know, they don't do a lot of different run schemes. They'll be very helpful. They're big in the play-action pass. They're big in boots. So they help their, their young offensive line kind of not have one-on-one situations very often in the pass game. Uh, side note, the Packers are going to be good this year. Uh, no offensive line podcast. They don't play outside to November 
17th, like some, somewhere in mid-November. Um, Matt Ryan's going to have a big year, in, in, in my opinion, as well. He's going to throw for, for 5,000 yards. They don't go outside. Is that right about the outside thing? I haven't even looked at that. That's a great call. Yeah, um, yeah they don't. Yeah, they, yeah. Vikings, they, they, Vikings that, Colts, yeah, Texans, yeah. Cardinals. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, someone can, I mean, they can open the roof somewhere, but probably not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only, well, the, I mean, the Colts could open the roof, but that doesn't really affect anybody. Um, the Vikings can't open that roof because it's up perpetually five degrees in, in Minnesota. And I guess the Texans could do it as well, but even then it, you know, the Cardinals too, but like none of those spots really affect people when you open the roof. So their first, no. their first outdoor game is November 17th against the Panthers. Man, how did, yeah. how did anybody, how did I, how has nobody discussed this in the Pantheon? I have. Of, okay. You have clearly, right. But I mean, like where, this, where? this is like, this is like one of the reasons why. And I'm beginning to like to get into more of my previewing, especially with the gambling stuff as we head toward. I'm still doing gambling, even though I might not do so much with Action Network. Um, the Falcons, you know, Matt Ryan leading the league as, as a passer. He's, his odds are are up there, like for better odds to to win because he he should throw for five thousand yards. Sure. Falcons to win the South. The South. I mean, there's a lot of good props with the Falcons because they they have an easy schedule. Um, do you think that? Cause I actually think the, 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 um, the Saints can come back to earth a little bit. We'll get to their offensive line in a second. Now I'm looking yeah. at this, um, now I'm trying to find this, uh, with the, with the lead that most passing yards, Matt, uh, Matt Ryan's actually the favorite along with Patrick Mahomes at plus 450. He moved, he, he moved, he moved in the last couple of weeks. Um, I originally looked at he was not the favorite, but yeah, mm. I think that. He threw for 4,900 yards last year. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, and I get why Mahomes is there. I would expect some regression there. We'll get to them in a second, too. What, what, um, interesting. What do you, just while we're talking about the South, not that anybody thinks the, the Buccaneers have some great offensive line or anything, but when you look at like, like the difference between operating in a North Turner scheme and a Bruce Arian scheme and North sort of adjusted what he did for Cam Newton last year to make it shorter drops and, and quicker passes. I mean, do what do you think Bruce Arians is going to do with Jameis Winston and an offensive line that's okay, but not great? Like how will he adjust? Will he just try and be Bruce and, and make Jameis Winston yes. drop back and no risk it, no biscuit? Yes. I think mean, he's going to be the Zach coach. He's always been and let you, you know, let Winston use his arm. I mean, that's, that's what he has. Obviously, he throws a ton of interceptions, yeah. but being able to, to use his big arm and let, let him throw the ball because that's what Bruce has always done. He's always been high flying down the field, um, you know, some some max protection type stuff at times to help his offensive line. But he's going to take shots. That's what he's always been, and I expect that to not change at all with Winston at quarterback. Okay, um, moving along to a, uh, an, oh yeah, the. Um, where would you, you – I think you I think you had the Rams in an honorable – I'm sort of – instead of running through this list, I'm just kind of curious about your thoughts about various, yeah. various teams. But like you mentioned that the Rams are, are probably right there on the fringe maybe. They're – I mean, like the, Andrew Whitworth has been one of the best free agent signings of the past five or six years. Yeah. It's incredible the way that he's kept his body up and, and maintained his level of play. They did lose a, like a couple of guys in that line this offseason. Right. How much do you think the transition there – Swapping guys in and out matters in a, in a McVeigh style scheme. Well, it does matter. I mean, that's kind of a, that's kind of why they're in this tier of like wait and see where they have been very good, obviously. And look, they were exposed a little bit, especially the center position in the Super Bowl. Um, but you know, they have two really good tackles and you mentioned Whitworth and Havistine. Uh, Blythe at right guard played well last year at certain times, but they have to replace the center and the left guard. Um, and so those are the, the, the areas where, you know, if they come along quickly, 
there's going to be a good offensive line. That's why I put them you know, with the Falcons and Panthers. It's like a, a wait-and-see unit that on paper they look like they can be really good, but let's kind of wait and see how uh, the young guys come along before I can kind of put them in a tier. Um, and uh, I think that was it for, like, your bottom tier, right? Carolina, yeah, L.A., yeah. and um, – all right, I had the uh, I had the what what about the Chargers? Do you do you put any, do you do you buy or sell the Chargers offensive line because it looked like a team that that might be pretty good for much of last year and then sort of fell apart in terms of pass protection on Philip Rivers down the stretch a little bit. Well, the right side of their offensive line is is pretty brutal. I mean, you saw in the yeah. Patriots game, the playoff game, they really just took advantage of that right side. Now maybe Forrest Lamp can come back and kind of help them out, but. Right now, that right side just ain't doing it. Um, you know, Pouncey's good. Um, you know, Okun's still playing at a high level, but that right side is so suspect. Um, you know, we'll get to another team later, but you're really high on that. Kind of, I think, has the same, not, not as bad, but I can't put him in that top tier until I see a little bit more from the right side of their line. Okay. Um, yeah, let's go to that next tier. Uh, that, that, so, and again, that's that sort of the first group that you had, the Panthers, the Rams, and the Falcons, sort of that honorable mention tier, that, that, that right around top ten tier. Wouldn't be surprised if they took a step forward or, or a step back. Um, and then you have a group of four teams in your – I, I guess, uh, the middle, we'll call it the, we'll call it the middle, the middle class. Um, at, at the bottom, I don't know if it's, well, I, I think this is your, no, order. no, they're not, they're not really in, they're not really in order. Gotcha, gotcha. They're not in order in the tiers. It just kind of, it, it's, I think it's so hard, especially before the season, to say like, this is the best, here's the second best, here's the third, with offensive lines, because like, look, you see like, even for the first three, there's so many moving parts here that it's hard to just say like, this is kind of where I feel like the next tier we're going to is like second tier of units. And there'll be, and I feel like the top five that I have at the very top, I feel very good in those five. And some of these, you know, some of these tier two teams can take a really big jump and get into that tier one level um, in, uh, in in half a year probably. Okay, who's most likely? These are the four teams that you listed: Indianapolis, Green Bay, Chicago, and Kansas City. Out of those four teams, who is most likely to be considered elite next year? Probably the Colts, uh, and I know that some people have them already as being elite, but like I mentioned with um, the the right side of the Chargers offensive line, we just need to see a little bit more from the right side of the Colts offensive line. We know, obviously, Quinn Nelson's really good. Gonzano's good. Ryan Kelly is really good at center, obviously. Uh, but just seeing a little bit more from the right side of that offensive line will kind of put them you know, over over the top. They're not far from being in that unit, in that category, as a top-tier offensive line. This wasn't. If you, we'll get to the top, and you'll see kind of like there is a big delineation, in my opinion, between like the top five and then kind of the Colts. The Colts, I feel like maybe the Packers, who, who we'll get to next, are really close to kind of like breaking through into that top tier. Well, all right, so so they might be even that top, the top of this of this middle-tier group. What I mean, what did you see from Quentin? Like, had have you seen anything like you saw from Quentin Nelson in terms of a first-year player? You repeatedly pointed out on Twitter, like, he's teabagging everybody left and right. He comes in, yeah. first-year All-Pro. I mean, I know we've seen it before, but, like, it's been a while since someone's been able to come in and play that position out of the box that well, right? Well, I think that's kind of what it was. His first couple of games weren't, weren't like, as great as I think people – thought they were there were there were times in the games where he was really good mm. and that stands out he improved the season went on but what's impressive in my mind about him was his attitude so his his attitude of finishing and being physical i think 
really quickly became what their offensive line was. They all took the identity of a rookie offensive lineman, which is remarkable because yeah. rookies typically, offensive linemen, just, you know, they're not really allowed to talk. You just go about your business and you're kind of scared, not scared is the wrong word, anxious, nervous, playing. Like you don't, you can't find your voice. And Quinn Nelson found his voice as fast as possible. Um, and that to me was, was most impressive and just his attitude towards football. Um, I, I met, I, I hung out with him a little bit, um, you know, in uh, this event in, in June. He's just a meathead, man. He loves football. <laughs> he's, just like, he's like that guy, like that offensive lineman. So um, that that makes him special. And like I said, the right side of the offensive line, um, I think will really be able, if they come together next year, if I think they should, they'll be an elite unit next year. Do you, do you think the Colts, it's even a situation where maybe um... – they caught people by surprise because they had two rookies starting in Braden Smith and Nelson. They also operated this system that, you know, Frank Wright, you know, had Andrew Luck tossing the ball a ton of times, but he wasn't throwing it really far down the field, sort of like what the, the Panthers did with Cam. And then they kind of shifted midway through the season and became, or actually I guess like a quarter of the way into the season, became this like running behemoth and it fit what Nelson wants to do. And, you know, they're doing the polls with, with Braden Smith, which is what he ran yeah. at Auburn and all that stuff. I mean, so it's, I mean, is it possible that they even maybe take a step back because people sort of know what's coming now? No, no. So here's what, here's what I think happens with the Colts. And this happens very often. It happens year to year in, in offenses, but really, with a new offense. So, you know, Frank Wright gets there, installs an offense, and he thinks we're going to run these type of plays. This is the type of identity we're going to be. You know, he, 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 he you know, he has, in his mind, this is what I want my offense to be. And then you realize, like, through four, five, six games, well, we're not really maybe good at what I want to do. <laughs> we're good at other things. So let's run those plays instead. And it, it takes time to figure that out. And so eventually they figure that out. Hey, we're going to be this type of team. And he made that transition to be that type of team. And that, that, that's not surprising at all how that kind of switch was flipped very fast. Okay. All right. Um, also in this tier of teams that we mentioned, Green Bay and Chicago, uh, two NFC North teams. Yeah. Uh, what, what strikes you about these units? And um, do you think that there will be a – Transition, you know, I mean, David Bakhtiari was fantastic. Corey Lindsay, when he's healthy, excellent center. I mean, are these guys, do, does the change in scheme here with Matt LaFleur coming in and, and Mike McCarthy and that scheme they've had forever moving out, do, do you think that, you think we could see a slow start in Green Bay? Um, we, we could see a slow start. I think with any new scheme, it does take a while, especially offensively to get any rhythm. But, you know, Bakhtiari is the best left tackle in the NFL. Oh, wow. it's, a, it's really wild he's never made a Pro Bowl. Like, it's crazy. It is wild. I would say he's the best pass-blocking offensive lineman in the NFL. It's just an amazing job, pass-blocking. Um, but I think injuries is, is a concern. You have, I mean, you mentioned when, when Lindsay's healthy, right? Belaga's has some injury concerns as well. So I think the unknown as far as what their offense is going to be, how they, you know, if they're going to stay healthy. Uh, but, like I said, they – I don't – I don't know if they're ever going to break in that top tier of offensive lines because they're kind of, a lot of guys have reached their potential, right? Blaga and, and Bakhtiari and Lindsay have, have linked it. They've all reached their potential, in my opinion, which is very good offensive line still. Um, but I don't see them, unlike the Colts, where guys are still kind of young and figuring it out. The Packers are kind of where they are now. Uh, they're probably not going to move out of tier two, and they probably won't move up into tier one. 
Uh, all right. Uh, in, in fact, instead of the NFC North segue, I'll just use the Matt Nagy, Andy Reid combo. You, you know the scheme well. Your brother plays in it for Kansas City. Mitchell yeah. Schwartz, their excellent right tackle. Um, how, how do you see, uh, how do you compare these two offensive lines? Because they are, again, they are running similar schemes. Uh, you, you yeah. would, I assume you would take Kansas City over Chicago, you know, brother tiebreaker and all, right? Well, I mean, I think with, <laughs> with Kansas City, you know, you got to replace obviously your center and, and, and Mitch Morris, which yep. is a, um, you know, a, a big kind of production. You have to figure out how to do that there. And Cam Irving at left guard, uh, you know, with, I guess with James Daniels at left guard with the Bears, you're not quite sure. I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't know who's better right now. Uh, you know, right guard with, with, uh, with LDT and, and Kyle Long. Kyle Long, when healthy, is probably better than Larry. My brother, right tackle, is better than, than Bobby Massey. And then Eric Fisher, while I think he gets too much shit from people, um, he's improved a lot. Um, he's, he's probably not better than, than Leno Jr. So um, it's probably pretty evenly matched um, when you look at those two offices in terms of pair them. Um, all right, good stuff. We will uh, take a very quick break, and we'll come back and talk about Jeff's top tier of offensive lines in the NFL. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash rs10 today. All right. that uh, We got five teams left. Jeff Schwartz. Yeah. Joining us uh, is is it SchwartzNFL.com or yeah yeah I think it's I you know I'm looking if, it, if it's even up now thank you okay SchwartzNFL.com should be up uh, website coming up. soon oh as of as oh, of recording soon. but I, I got an email this morning that said like we're good to go and I guess <laughs> it's not up yet it, it, it's it's uh, been a long process we got to pay to do it. I don't know but should be up soon well but but people will be listening to this on Tuesday. July 9th. So it's very possible that while the website isn't up for us, it's up for the people who are listening to it. Yeah. Um, are, are you, are you, what are you planning on? Is it going to be like gambling analysis, offensive line breakdowns? What's, what's the play with the, the personal no, website? Mean, basically the website. So like, like you said, when, when I came on, you're like, you, I do this, this, and this. Instead of saying like, I do all of this, go to my Twitter and see where I, it's just going to be like an oh. aggregate site for all my stuff. So oh, I like find like, the radio stuff I do, the TV stuff I do, the, the print I do, appearances, all going to be on one place. So I don't have to just say, like, I work for these eight companies, and here's my Twitter, and blah, blah, blah. It's just a, a place to find, like, everything I do 
and eventually, hopefully, I'll have some original content. Um, but I'm not planning on like starting my own website uh, with um, my own content, at least not now. That's actually a good idea. I've got the same sort of uh, setup on WillBrinson.com, but I think I forgot to renew WillBrinson.com, and like the last thing I posted was I, I'm sure that my feed is extremely old. Like I bet it doesn't even link. I, I need, I need to go back and update it. So maybe, maybe you'll motivate me. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely doesn't link to anything current. Maybe you'll motivate me to go check that out. Uh, all right. Let's talk about this top tier of offensive line groups. The teams that you have listed, the Patriots, the Saints, the Eagles, the Steelers and the Cowboys. I don't think any of those guys are necessarily surprising. The one that maybe stood out to me when we were talking about this offline was the Saints because my concern when I ranked him, and I ranked him pretty low, was that uh, uh, Max Unger was retiring. However, you, you've got sort of, uh, I don't want to say inside info, but you, you seem pretty bullish yeah. on rookie Eric McCoy out of Texas A&M. Well, same with this. Even if Eric McCoy is not any good, I they, they still have four very good offensive linemen. Yeah. Like to drop them just because one left. And I know Max Unger is a good buddy of mine. We played, we came in the same year at Oregon together. We played, I put every snap at Oregon with him. Um, he's, he's a fantastic football player. Um, he's been with Drew Brees for a while now. It was a great trade for the Saints to get him over there from Seattle. Um, but you still have Toronto Armstead, who's healthy this year, Andres Pete, Larry Warford, Ryan Ramchek. Like you still have a great offensive line. You put an Eric McCoy out from AM who is I think he had some of the best explosive numbers of the combine as far as his vertical, uh, his ten, his ten yards but very explosive player, very smart player. I believe he was a four year starter in college, played you know, fifty games in college. Um so he'll fit in very well, I think, with Drew Brees. It'll take some time to get him used to being with Drew Brees and being the guy who's making all the calls and, and whatnot. And it's not gonna be an easy transition, but I don't think the drop off is as far as people would expect when you lose a guy like Max and you can replace him with Eric McCoy. Mm, interesting. Would you rather have a would you rather have a veteran quarterback and a rookie center or a veteran center and a rookie quarterback? And I understand that it's not that cut and dry. Ooh, um, veteran quarterback. You mean oh, um, like which, which one's more likely to be a disaster? The veteran the because I feel like Drew Brees. Oh, the, the the bigger disaster is the is the rookie center because um, you know there's a lot put on the center's plate as far as uh, especially in, in protections um, figuring things out and just getting the snap up and you know quarterbacks don't take very kindly to bad snaps and poor <laughs> identifications that, that that get them killed so um, and you know a good a good veteran center can really help a young quarterback a young quarterback's not helping a, 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 a I mean a young center is not helping a quarterback at all so. Um, you know, it's probably more ideal to have that young quarterback with a really good center, but that's not where they are right now. But again, I, I, I see them being, um, an offensive line still going to be very good. No, 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 I, I, I agree with you. I think I would reassess it after talking to you and I might go cheat and like, and change my rankings. Uh, the Eagles, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, even if they've already been published, I don't want it to fall on my head. Uh, the Eagles are like the ageless wonders. Of, of the NFL. I mean, Lane Johnson even was, uh, you know, 2013 first round pick. Like, it's not like he's really young, although it kind of feels like he is compared to Jason Peters and Jason Kelsey. Um, how worried does that get you with, with a potential drop off, uh, for Philadelphia based on sort of the age of those guys? 
Well, I'm not, I mean, Lane has, has been healthy. Uh, Brandon Brooks at, at right guard, obviously Kelsey. There's no sign. I mean, the only one who has a sign of getting older is Peters. Yeah. Who keeps getting hurt every year, but they drafted Andre Dillard to be his, his replacement um, at, at some point. Uh, better probably to sit this year than, than to go in there, but they still, have, they still have Big V as well to go play left tackle if needed. Um, they had that young kid, Jordan. Um, I can't pronounce his last name very well. Um, uh, the, the, the rugby player. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. my, uh, Mylotta. Is it Mylotta? Mylotta, yeah. yeah. Rugby player who people like kind of where he's, direction he's heading, but they have really good offensive line coaches, and uh, Stalin. I believe Chung is still there as well. Um, and they're going to be good again. They, they show no sign of breaking down at all besides, you know, Peter's health at some point. Mm, okay. All right. I like it. Bullish on the Eagles. I think the Eagles look like a super, uh, Potential Super Bowl winner as well. I mean, no, if wins like stay healthy, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who, uh, if you had to pick one, you're only going to pick one team out of the Patriots because these would probably be maybe my top three, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, the the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Cowboys. Who would you say is the the best team? Oh, actually, you know what? I got a different. I got a different question because the okay. the Patriots and the and the Steelers to me are a fascinating case study in coaching. How much do you think Mike Munchak's departure from Pittsburgh um, is going to hurt them relative to the Patriots' ability to keep Dante Scarnecchia there? Like, I don't think people really understand just how much how much that coaching matters, right? Oh, it's a huge, it's a huge, uh, I think, loss for them. I, I met their offensive line coach about a month ago. This event, I was. I, I'm sorry, I forget his name. I don't think he's listening, but if he is, you know, he's been there for a long time. Um, so he he teaches what Mike Munchak has been teaching. You know, obviously he doesn't. You know, maybe have the experience as, as Mike did, and that's part of this uh, this whole equation is kind of knowing how to make adjustments and whatnot. And that's really the reason why um, there's a little bit of trepidation with you know putting the Steelers up in this this top tier, but they're so talented, right? I mean, that's part of this as, as well. They they've run one type of scheme for so long, they've run one play for so long. That double duo play works so well. They're just big bodied guys moving moving uh, people off the ball. Obviously, have a new right tackle, which we'll have to figure out that that situation with Gilbert being gone. But um, you know, coaching is such a big, it's such a big you know, deal off the line. We saw with the Patriots with Sternecki, I and mean, he might be one of the better position coaches of the last 10, 15 years. You know, they lose Trent Brown, Isaiah Wynn, who they drafted last year, will slide right in. Hopefully, he's he's one hundred percent healthy. Uh, uh, Joe Thune at left guard. By the way, I think I think I think David Andrews, a center. Is it Joe or David who's been in the league? Uh, oh, it's Joe. Joe's been in the league three years now. Never not been to a Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. I know. It's unbelievable, right? Never. I think, I think he's the first player in NFL history to start his first three years and start in three Super Bowls in a row. Um, I mean, David Andrews, as tall as they come in center. Shaq Mason had a great year last year. Uh, Marcus Cannon. You know, getting up there in age, they're probably going to try to find his replacement soon enough. But uh, I, and I know they drafted uh, to, to Juice from West Virginia yep. as well to maybe take over. Uh, for can eventually, but um, with that offensive line coach and the way Brady gets rid of the ball, the way he just pounded the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Rams in the playoffs, um, they deserve to be probably probably the top of this list heading into next season. Uh, I'd probably put the Cowboys second. Um, you know, Connor Williams at left guard kind of have to figure out um, what they're going to do there. Maybe Connor McGovern is, is at left guard, but the, the biggest acquisition, in my opinion, in all of football. It's not really an acquisition. It's Travis Fetcher coming back at center. Mm. The Cowboys last year were completely lost without him, especially with the offensive line coach they had in at the time who ended up being fired midway through the year. 
They brought in uh, Mark Colombo, for a longtime cowboy, uh, to, to take over. They've been they were really good since then, but they just they just misided a lot of things that Travis Frederick would never have made that mistake. Um, I do wonder if Connor Williams having to play now with Frederick and and Tyron Smith will play better in his second year. Zach Martin as good as they come. Lyle Collins needs to work on some things, but nonetheless, still very good. Um, but just having Frederick back and anchoring that offensive line is going to be a huge, huge plus for them. Wasn't it, wasn't it um, bizarre that I, – I, I, you, you said this, it made me think of it, but the um, – the last year, the Bengals before the season, the Bengals and the Cowboys swapped offensive line coaches, and the Bengals' offensive line under uh, it's Paul Alexander, right? It had been had been not, yeah. not very good, and he did, he like talk. I I think it was Pete Prisco that pointed this out, but like basically they take a like they take a step back even when they're doing run blocking for whatever reason, and it's it just seems like the whole decision to to flip to flip that up and leading into the year and so I don't, I don't just it's just kind of crazy to like to make that swap and it looked yeah. like it actually it looked like it actually created uh, negative issues now a bunch of the you know like you said those guys were hurt banged up whatever it is but well i i, I think that the, the cowboys um and this happens you know with with coaches it's not you know nepotism is the wrong word but it's almost like nfl nepotism right like if you if you are, if you coach for 20 years, you kind of just always get a job until you really can't get a job anymore. And right. it felt like the Cowboys decided, like, hey, Paul Alexander had been a good coach. And remember, he has really not developed anyone in Cincinnati in the last seven years <laughs> or so. Um, but it's Paul Alexander, he, he's done it. He's coached a lot of, you know, Whitworth and, and Willie Anderson. He's coached some really good players and they play well for him. So let's just go with, you know, the name that we know. And he taught nothing like they've been taught before. It just didn't work. And like I said, they brought in Colombo. I believe Colombo is still their offensive line coach yeah. now. Um, and uh, they, um, they're going to be a lot better this year. Okay. Uh, and then uh, lastly, the Steelers. Actually, I guess you, did you mention, I mean, do you think, I guess, do you think that they have enough talent? And they're, they're loaded up there. I mean, they got the Pouncey, DeCastro, uh, Foster, Villanueva. They have plenty of the talent there. Do you think there's enough veterans there to overcome the change in coaching? Because ha- we have seen it. Like if you follow Mike Munchak around, you can see the the ups and downs of those various teams in terms of their offensive line play. Yeah, um, I think they'll be fine. Uh, we'll find out. There's there's a um, I'm going to look this up. I need to look up the ages of this group. John Clay, you know, ESPN reporter, you know, yeah. the radio. He brought this up to me last year. He he said that there's a rule of 150 with offensive linemen. If you're starting offensive line, if the age is over, is over, you add up the age, so by the age over 150, you typically see a big decline wow. in their performance. And his example last year was Atlanta for me. We were talking before the year, and I was like, look, I think Atlanta's going to be good off the line. He goes, rule 150. And I was like, what is that? Like, <laughs> if you add up the ages, and Atlanta's offensive line was not as good last year. So we see this offensive line kind of getting up in, in age with the cast show now and and Pouncey, um, all those, you know, Ramon Foster, uh, those guys are at least 30 years old. Uh, luckily, they're, they're younger right tackle now. Um, I don't think they're quite at 150 yet, but they're getting they're getting up in age a little bit. Mm, that makes me a little scary. I kind of like the Steelers to be a no. I, I like I, I I look. I think the Steelers. Here's the thing: the Steelers have have run the same run plays for so long now that. I, they'll be fine without Munchak. I think, like I said, with injury-wise, they've been relatively healthy. These guys have not been hurt either. Right. Um, so 
it's just something to look at when we look at offensive lines. I don't think it applies terribly much to the Steelers. Okay. Um, really quick, or really quickly, or however long you want to do it, I am curious. If you had to build uh, an offensive line, like you can take um, any scheme, any style, pick your coach. You could be the coach. You could be the GM. Someone else could be the coach. Whatever you want to do. But you get to pick five players to put onto the offensive line from around the NFL, any team, any player, any contract, um, who would who would be your five guys? You, you can move them about positions if you want to, for all I care. And, and we're 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 assuming that everyone's like healthy, right? Yeah, so every you get full health, no salary cap, and like if you want to get okay. Lane Johnson and start him at center, you can do it for all for all for <laughs> intensive purposes. So, of this. I, Tyron Smith is the left tackle. Okay. Um, if you if you type if you go in a factor and you type up you know prototypical left tackle and you hit enter and they build you that, that's who he is right yeah arms go down to his knees he's 315 pounds so last right now injuries are concerned but for this drill that's not a problem right so Tyron Smith I think Quinn Nelson at left guard mm. um, no brainer there obviously he's young but just the physicality and his love for the game he can make a lot of blocks you know he's, he's a, Maybe limited athletically compared to maybe other elite offensive linemen, but nonetheless, um, I think he's a monster. I would put him there. Uh, I think I think Jason Kelsey at center is about as perfect as a center as you can get. Wow. Um, he can he can reach block guys. Um, he can move guys out of the way. Um, who do you think I was going to say at center? Uh, no, 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 no. I just I mean I uh, I had Jason Kelsey slash Matt Paradis when I read. I was like worried when I was writing this down. I was like, what if I what if I come up with a list of five? And Jeff's like, this is the worst um, list I've ever seen in my effing life. Like, um, so, uh, who do you have at left tackle? Uh, I wrote down Armstead, but I, I don't know if in my brain I was, well, I guess I must have been because I, because I was counting. If I had Armstead there, surely I could have thought about Tyron Smith for, for health reasons. I was, I was putting together my five in a very rushed fashion. I got, I got to, okay. And who's your left guard? Quinn Nelson? Yeah, Nelson slash, yeah, Nel, okay. yeah, Nelson. Okay. Um, my, so my center scouts, now my right guard, I, you make me pick between these two guys. It's Zach Martin or Marshall Yanda. I mean, I, geez. Marshall Yanda is probably a Hall of Famer. Um, mm. Quinn Nelson is not yet. I'm not Quinn Nelson. Zach Martin is yeah. not yet. I, I, I mean, Marshall Yanda is so good. I feel like he's not, um, talked about enough. I don't know if I could choose like between those two, honestly. I know that's part of the drill is choosing one. Um, I might, I might lean toward Marshall Yanda over Zach Martin. Um, very, very slightly. I just love the way Yanda plays. He's so, he's so good. Um, uh, and he's older guy still playing really well. Um, and, and by, and right by the way, this is why, you know, you're like, you talk about, uh, Mayweather's thing doesn't get as much buzz as, as Von Miller's camp. It's like, yeah. it's, I mean, like, Marshall Yonda's been to, he's like a two-time All-Pro and went to six straight Pro Bowl, or six straight Pro Bowls, seven total Pro Bowls, has just been grinding out mostly healthy seasons for his entire career, and he isn't talked about at all because he, I mean, I mean, playing the trenches. I mean, it's just not a glorified yeah. position, you know? I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, that to me is, I mean, two, two All-Pros and six Pro Bowls is not enough to make the Hall of Fame. So maybe he won't be, but I mean, he is, he's so darn good. Um, and then, look, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to default to my brother, right tackle. He's obviously <laughs> first team all pro last year. Um, but I will say, I, Lane Johnson's fantastic at right, at right tackle for the Eagles. Um, and, you know, I think that those two guys, my brother and, and Lane, 
will be first and second team all pro at right tackle for the next three or four years as long as both stay healthy. I mean, I think that every year you're going to see, you know, Lane might win it. He won it two years ago. Mitch won it last year. I think they're going to go back and forth the next couple of years. Um, so my my first backup really for the offensive line anywhere would be Lane. I mean, in this situation, I can you could put Lane at 1A, Mitch at 1B, or vice versa. Um, you know, they're – they're really good. They're different styles, Lane and my brother. Uh, but my brother's the pass protection. I mean, he's played Vaughn Miller. I think you know, obviously he's twice a year. I mean, yeah, three, three years. Three years. I think mean, he's allowed one sack in three years to Vaughn Miller. Wow, maybe two. Um, you know, Cleo Mack switches sides every time he plays them. Uh, Bosa's played better than those two against him. Um, my brother's just so good, man. He's so so consistent. Um, with his pass sets, kind of a unique vertical set. A lot of people don't really teach that anymore. He's got such good hands. Uh, he finishes well around the quarterback. So uh, my brother is, is such a baller, but um, I would probably put him, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm equally as impressed with Lane Johnson. Uh, I wrote down your brother just in case you deferred to Lane Johnson. That way I could politely bail you out by, by selecting your brother. But I mean, th- this actually makes me feel really good because I had more or less a very similar list, um, uh, to you and you're a former professional offensive lineman and I'm just, um, uh, a short, I, a short I, I, I feel like the top is not very hard to yeah. talk about the top. I mean, like, you know, like, like left tackle for me, um, um, you know, like Charles Williams would have been acceptable. Just appears would have been acceptable. Um, you know, Tom, Tom Robinson is fine in my opinion. I don't, think, I don't think he's better than those three quite yet. Um, you know, there's kind of like a clear delineation in my opinion on a lot of these positions where, you know, one and two is pretty easy, and then once you get past that, it's really hard to say who's who's kind of next on that list. Mm, indeed. Uh, all right. Anything else um, you want to plug? Check out SchwartzNFL.com and uh, it, it feel plug. By the way, plug away. We don't. We love plugs here. Promiscuous like. SportsNFL.com when when it when it's ready, um, (laughs) it'll be up hopefully uh, later today. But it'll be up pretty soon. You can find everything um, I do there, and uh, you know Twitter at Jeff Schwartz, Jeff with a G. Um, And look, football it's so close. um, And then I'll be doing uh, gambling stuff. Not quite sure for for the Action Network, but somewhere Um, gambling is a ton of fun, and um, we'll be uh, be there pretty soon. Awesome, man. Uh, Jeff Schwartz, follow him on Twitter. Check out SchwartzNFL.com. Thanks, buddy. All right, take care.